0: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, June 15th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He is Kevin Walsh. And we put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, no shortage of news over the weekend. And, you know, we have been talking as more I's get dotted, as more T's get crossed. Remember, for a while, I have been the kind of, you know, skeptical, hey, let's see who's really agrees, who really likes it, what will have beef, and let's wait until Penn gets to paper. We've been talking about the trust in the NBA. Well, Kev, I don't know that the trust in the NBA is holding firm, because over the weekend, one of the big headlines we heard is that Kyrie Irving kind of, Organize the call and there's varying reports i've heard as many as 60 players right kind of on this call including some big names carmelo anthony uh donovan mitchell potentially right that were expressing concerns Mm -hmm. over coming back now we have heard this before right i remember telling you kev the idea that um The Players Association president, Michelle Roberts, you know, went down from an eight to a six because she was starting to hear concerns. We you know, we've heard even all the way in the past that it was like 75, 25 with the players. Well, maybe these 60, 70, 50, however many players they are represent part of that 25 percent that still have concerns. But then I think Kyrie put gas on the fire, Kev, not by talking about this in terms of the health risk not by talking about this in terms of the logistical details, not by talking about this in terms of sharing the pain, which you know baseball has its own problems with, but he interjected the idea of going to Orlando while we were in the context of race relations and protests in this country, kind of in essence likening the players To, you know, kind of working hands that are just being shipped around. This one, Kev, could be an issue. I mean, I've been asking you about the financial spread. Is that an issue? Do coaches have to wear masks? Is that an issue? The person, the health personnel records, is that an issue? I'll ask you again, Kev, how's your confidence now? Is this an issue? So, this, it's
1: not a, it's not a non-issue it's a very it's, it's certainly very very important. I, I think though it's it's varying degrees I, I think there there's a lot to digest with what we've seen this past weekend to come sure. from around the NBA. I guess maybe the the message versus messenger thing we're seeing um, there's also though I think a lot of people who for, just from a starting standpoint are unclear as to why these conversations are being had and I mean that in the sense that Oh, the players already agreed. That's not true. Mm. That's not true. And the one thing that I've said repeatedly, and you as well have said, right? Because so you, your, your point is, listen, there's a lot of other details that need to be figured out. And my point has been, I think that's why they got the format deal done, to give themselves almost two months right. to sort everything out, right? right? And that's what I think we're seeing here when players voted okay because i you know i saw some commentary oh the players didn't even read what they voted in the Adrian Wojnarowski somewhat hit piece on <laughs> Kyrie Irving he you know started to allu- oh Kyrie was only talking ab- about the sauna use and whether he'd be allowed to come with the Brooklyn Nets in a in a meeting where he had a vote that vote dane was on the format and to continue negotiations right. So it is very disingenuous for anybody to say, "What are we doing here?" There was nothing more to discuss. That it now I understand how maybe some people thought that because there was so much excitement about basketball coming back, and when you
0: when the sort of thought read, that yourself, right? I remember you were like, "I'd be shocked if they didn't, you know, have all that already be. ironed out." You know, oh, I I I mean that more. I, I think more so I'd be shocked if they don't play basketball. Okay. but, but yeah. I, but I, I there, there was a time when you were like, oh, there's trust. There's a well of positive trust yeah. among all these sides, and I bet they're figuring this out already behind the curtain kind of thing. And, and I think there's a lot of things that they are
1: still figuring out. Now, with the Kyrie Irving thing, because, Dan, I think we're very much so in a position of message versus message sure. here. I but Kyrie Irving is really not the, this awful messenger that everybody wants to make him out to be. Now I understand the issues that he's had through different ten years. Okay, the split from LeBron, right, was like the first sign. Right. But because it was LeBron, a lot of people kind of bagged on LeBron. Oh, see, LeBron's not all that great to work with, which is preposterous. But that's what people wanted to do. But then he goes to Boston, right, and you see, oh, maybe this is a bit more Kyrie than we which think. Could be the right? offer. But the problem is Kyrie Irving is a vice president for the NBA PA. I I mean, that's just what it is, okay? He 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 is a vice president. He's literally doing his job. One other thing that I just absolutely feel it necessary to clear up is people going, oh, he's a flat earther. No, he's not. Okay. Kyrie, he's been on record about this. No, he said that to get a rise out of people, right? He said he 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 was at a point in his life where he was way too into conspiracy theories. He said, maybe it's possible and has since, it was in 2018, by the way, like years ago, was like, I was wrong. I apologize for that. It's ridiculous that I said it. So no, he doesn't think the earth is flat. No, that's not a reason for you to completely undercut what is a very, very important conversation that is being had. Uh, I guess then the, the other thing that people are talking about is oh well he's not going to Orlando he's not playing that doesn't again he's a vice president of the NBAPA right so he he is totally totally valid Dane in bringing up these conversations I'd rather allow you to to give me your reaction first though about what you think about them saying that their return to play could be a distraction to what is right now a very, very important and powerful movement?
0: Um, I think it's a very slippery slope, right? And I think that, remember when we talk about the pandemic even, mm-hmm. we have said that every individual has their own risk tolerance, right? We've talked about if we're gonna get into the subway, we did that piece about if you're gonna go back to a game or not, if you're gonna, you know, send your kids back to school. And I think that we are in a very delicate time where people have their own feelings, whether it's about being risk averse for coronavirus or how some of these injustices around police brutality and policing and other systematic racism impacts them, affects them, how they see it, you know, and how big of a deal it is. Right. And everybody, I think you probably see that differently. I see that differently. Our viewers see that differently. And I think It's very, my position is that it is going to be very, very hard on something like this to have a unified front on, right, Mm -hmm. that can be collectively bargained or anything like this. That's a big old monkey wrench into it when we're talking about the league having a stance or all the players having a stance. I believe that if an individual player feels that way, Mm -hmm. they have every right to feel that way right, as an individual and make whatever choices, whether that is to go, whether that is to not go and be vocal about protesting it or anywhere else on the spectrum. I think the slippery slope is when you then try to apply that in like the idea of, this is what the union is saying. And I think that's a very slippery slope. I think, you know, we have to have this, uh, part of this is the group consciousness. And part of it is still the individual decision And I think when we talk about issues like this, um, that distinction needs to be very clear about what parts individuals can decide. Like if Kyrie Irving or any player wants to have that opinion and take that stance, I believe they have every right to do so. Um, How it gets inserted, if it gets inserted into the actual back and forth dialogue on a union collective bargaining agreement, I think that's a little bit tough. So
1: I think the conversation that they're having is one that to me is very easy to understand because I said this on this show with you on a guest spot with the morning Mm -hmm. after guest spot with game time decisions. I said it's very good that we don't have sports right now to distract us from what's going on. I said it's very, very good
0: that yes. we don't have sports as much as the I fact didn't. that there's no sports in the pandemic is a lot of reasons why maybe there is so much more diversity in this in these protests. Why there is so much because there's we talk about it right, Kev. The only game in town when the NBA was the only game in town, the MLS maybe the only game in town in July. Well, unfortunately, when people were sheltered in, staying in place, the only things they were seeing was this spark and these protests, and that may be what causes more and more people to take notice this time around.
1: Yeah. And, and I think when you, you look at that conversation, and by the way it's not just Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard's made statements, yeah. Lou Williams has made yeah. statements about not wanting to be that distraction. My thing is now and again, I come from a position of where I'd much rather l- like listen than than kind of say, oh this is what I believe. But This is just, for my critical thinking, this is kind of my thought on this. The way that the world works, Dane, is eventually you see that our attention has to be turned elsewhere. Maybe no better example than these protests themselves. It's happening in the middle of a pandemic. And in the middle of a pandemic, we actually had our attention turned elsewhere. That is how much in the world, it just, it's inevitable, right? So when we get to July 30th, I think the idea that, and not because the issues will have been solved or because we will have found everlasting peace, but because of the way of the world, the idea that on July 30th mm-hmm. we will have we will have seen people start to turn their attention elsewhere a bit, yeah. right, is where then the players with their platform and them right. playing get to bring it back to the forefront, whether it be through sure. demonstrations or post-game press comments, when eyes are on them, right, and. Honestly, if that's not the case, if the protesting and the movement has not even in the slightest bit died down, then the NBA returning, I don't think will detract from that. No, but it I, think, it, I right. think it'll add to it and again, keep it a very important and relevant conversation. So to me, I more than understand why they're having this conversation, a predominantly black league, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what the best thing to do for what is a very, very important movement for black people in this country. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. I personally think that they actually might be able to do more good while on the court. And if I'm wrong on that though, Dane, and this is where maybe I differ from, I am, oh, okay, then I'm wrong. And you have to support the decision being made because what's happening right now too is a very, very big change, even in the sports world. Yeah. Things just such as the Confederate flag no longer no, being allowed NASCAR and Drew Brees' comments going right. from what a lot of people yeah.
0: championed to a lot of people being like, that's, that's what- Dell coming out, teams are now, you know, institutions are starting to move yep. this time around. I think you're absolutely right, Kevin. That's why I think about, I try and draw the distinction between your personal affect, opinion, and moves, and then the conglomerate, you know, speaking as a whole, that becomes a little bit different, different, and slightly more difficult. But when we come back, Kevin, there are Other pieces of this NBA kind of conversation and confidence in coming back that are starting to fade away from me. And I want to get your reaction for that. We look at baseball and don't forget, we still have a roster reset. We finish up the AFC East with the J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets in our number two. We're off and running. It's a brand new week right here on the early line All right, welcome back in everybody to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, as always, putting the fun in functional sports content. Now, Kevin, when you, in the opening segment, you asked me something about like kind of my feelings about these protests and the distraction, some of the talk that Kyrie Irving had. You know, and my feeling is as an individual, you are free to feel however you want, say whatever you want, and behave accordingly. Whether that's protesting, you know, uh, prioritizing your finances and your job over it, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. Um, but then to have a collective voice is something far different, Kevin. One of the other things I heard or that we saw at the end of last week. Remember when you know two months ago, Kevin? Everyone was so happy because you know, this 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 group of kind of big name players, right? Uh, everyone from Giannis to LeBron, to Kawhi, and everyone was like, yeah, we want to play. We're going to do what we got to. We're confident, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And there were reports that that represented about 75, 80% of the league. And I remember asking you, well, what if you're in that other 25%? Like, yeah. what are you going to do, right? And I don't know if you saw this, but last week we started to hear that the players who were in that 25%, yeah. Sort of felt, I don't know what the right word is exactly, Kevin, peer pressured, bullied, um, anxiety over kind of initially voicing their concerns and being seen in opposition to the superstars who truly drive this league. So this is yet another example for me about the difference, about like your individual opinion feeling. And how to still organize together for the collective, not only in reacting to if the protests signal we shouldn't do this, but for a lot of these other issues as well, the players were not a truly unified front. Well, I think it comes down to the idea that you can't necessarily be on this issue.
1: I I mean, there's just too many options. People will disagree. Right. Like there's there's too many different like categories you could fit into. Uh, I want to play, but I'm nervous about COVID. I want to play, but I don't want to detract from the protests. Or I don't want to play. I'm worried about injury. Like there's there's too many categories for there to be a one hundred percent unified front. But I think what you're making though is a key point for people to understand because I think it's imp- I think unfortunately, because it being Kyrie Irving, it's prevented right. a lot of people from kind of getting to the conversation that you and I are
0: having That's- about yes, seriously and I- now it's just on its face right, right. I like why you said the message not the messenger I Absolutely. think
1: people are trying to like just dismiss it before they even get to the kind of important yeah, platter, pop there. Off again. but right which is just it's so silly I just want to read a Kyrie quote um, mm-hmm. so people understand that he's not sitting here trying to like tear down the NBA season he then he it reads uh, and this is from uh, the Chris Haynes piece on Yahoo Kyrie said if it's worth the risk then let's go and do it but if you're not okay with it it's OK, too. We've got the options for both ways. Let's just come to a middle ground as a family. That doesn't sound like a disruptor. That sounds like somebody who is and what we've seen, giving the vo- giving a voice to others and just making sure that they dot their eyes and cross their T's before they make this decision. I- again, I just I have to say, I think Kyrie is actually maybe doing the, you know, one of the best things of his career. Um, certainly, that three point shot matters quite a bit. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I say so. You know what I mean, uh, like, this yeah, is, I mean, well, it's here's stuff. the thing, though, Kev. Isn't this just his job as part of the yes, executive council? Yes. but the thing is, there's a lot of people out there who're saying that he should be quiet. He's not going right. to play, and it's it's the exact opposite. Like right. it'd be, you know, easy would be for someone on Kyrie's contract who's not going to play Oops. to sit this <laughs> one out. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like it's the easiest. It's his responsibility as part of this committee to try and do what's best for the organization that is the players. And that's why I've been saying it too. The difference between individual and the group is very tough. You know, I remember this. I was in education as a teacher. It was very hard to give one kid a punishment or the whole class a punishment based on what three kids were doing. You know, it becomes very interesting. But I think you're right to um, go deeper than just the facade or the knee-jerk reaction. Oh, when Kyrie Irving is by a microphone because there are serious. Serious issues to still tackle that are valid. And that's the thing, right? People, and that's why I said people are allowed to feel how they want. You know, it is valid. You could be a 23 year old kid who thinks you're, you know, going to be asymptomatic and whatever, but maybe you're living with your, you know, mom who's a cancer survivor. Who knows? And these things are absolutely valid. Another piece of this that I know you saw was the idea of fans potentially not coming back even into next basketball season, the 2021 season, which We don't know if it's going to start in December 1st, on Christmas, who knows, be a longer season, a shorter season. What I think is interesting, and Kevin, again, I look into kind of the CBA and the way these things are actually going to go down by law, right? And there's BRI, basketball-related income, and the players and the owners have a, I believe, a 51-49 split on that. But remember, Kevin, the same way we ran the math in baseball, right? Player salaries are already a kind of baked-in part of that, okay? So my question is what happens when there's a whole nother season – with no fans, and we're not talking about just the eight games and a playoffs, if there's a whole new season with no fans, Kevin, they may be in the same boat as baseball where the owners have to figure out, oh, we're going to play these games, but not have the revenue from the gate or the concessions and still have NBA salaries. It's the same exact way we broke it down for baseball. Could basketball have this looming on the horizon if the pandemic you know, stretches out the way they're expecting, and now what do they do about it especially because there's already been conversations about a contracted schedule thus less opportunities to make money
1: yeah it's really really interesting to see how how that can play out i could be wrong here but i think maybe this is the potential benefit of having a cba that has a 50 50 split or i think it might be 51-49, 51, 51 49 51 players but yeah um a split kind of built into it where Unlike baseball, the owners like listen. This is genuinely what we made, and and that's how it's and that's what the salary cap lends itself yeah. to. Now it might be difficult when you sign a guy to a four-year X number of dollar contract, mm, and now right. all of a sudden it's like that doesn't really fit the, right. the budget. And those well, are if the you got to pay that out. Then they ain't left with nothing left in the pie. Right. I mean, it'll be really interesting Dude. to see how like free agency might play out. Like for example, Demar Derozan is someone who has a player option this year. Right, Uh, You know, that's certainly north of $20 million. Typically, you'd opt out of that and get a new contract. Maybe he just opts in.
0: Maybe that's the safer route. I'd rather take the bird in the hand than be in this kind of market, right? No, that makes complete sense. And I think about, (laughs) I mean, there's so many kind of details to think about. Service time, um, you know, like. What is there going to be a luxury tax or the salary cap? Yeah. You know, it's there's a lot of things to be out when you take this huge chunk of revenue, the fans, that are expected to just vanish. And the thing with the,
1: the no fan situation is it was very jarring for me. Now, I don't know if maybe that is more so to say not that they are expecting no fans as much as they're going to work off the assumption of no fans because it prepares them for the worst, right. which is a good way to go about things. Especially um, economically right, to be conservative, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why, again, if you asked me, will there, won't there be an NBA season, I still confidently tell you, will there be, is the counter that's been offered up now to the idea that the players might just balk on the restart as a whole for whichever the reason might be. And it's the fact that it then would allow the owners to tear up the the CBA, which they would, and then they'd have to re-enter negotiations to create a new CBA like they'd be doing under pretty much a lockout Mm. while they're going to be negotiating without the idea of there being fans. It's been, it's been reported pretty much as an understood fact that it would be an awful position for the players to find themselves in. They'd be leaving about two. I think I saw maybe around $2 billion on the table by not showing up. And this is where, again, I, I think if, if people can look at this in the totality, they're having important conversations to make sure that every single person's voices are, and to make sure that when they get there, they've crossed every single avenue and checked everything that they need to, and they know why they're there, their purpose, and they figured it out in its entirety. But the, first of all, the fact that there are still a lot of players that want to go, yeah. I would, pre- I probably would argue the majority of players want to go but it sounds compounded like. with the fact that financially it'd be a total nightmare not to go. I still very much so I'm expecting July 30th. We're watching the NBA.
0: All right. I mean, and, you know, and in this, what you're describing, they would also piss away some of the goodwill that they have earned and the perception of people, you know, like you, that it was harmonious, that they're collaborative and will figure it out. You know, they'll start to have some of the same adjectives that we've been describing the baseball back and forth if they and, decide to go down that path. Go ahead. And, and, if, I, and if I may,
1: I, I think may. one of the things that we saw—you're so kind— Um, as the NBA players, right, were, you know, kind of saying, oh, we don't know about this, we don't know about this. Simultaneously, right, the NBA was offering up, like, okay, listen, well, you know, 14 of 22 teams are only going to be there for 53 days. They're offering up all of these different pieces of information to try and and quell their concerns. I think these are, still to me, two sides that are working together. I mean, Adam Silver's been very outspoken about supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, To where I, it's this isn't a situation of where they're like, oh, like, you know, again, we're certainly so far removed from 2016 NFL times, but it's nothing even remotely like that. Where I think if they said, hey, let's get Adam on a call and ask him how we think we can appropriately continue the movement, Adam Silver's the first one picking pick up the phone. I'm like, yes, let's go forth and, and make that plausible. So, again, ultimately, I, I remain confident. I think these are still, though, important
0: conversations that are being had. Yeah, absolutely. And let's have one other conversation. Remember when it was like bringing the family members into the bubble and we didn't know if it was going to be 16 teams, 20 teams, 24 teams, and that you know changed the calculation because the bubble probably has a certain amount of capacity anyway to be safe, right? And then last week we heard MLS has a deal. We know dates for their tournament. And guess where they're going to be? In the wild world of sports down there in Disney in Orlando. So check this out, Kev. MLS is bringing... 1,200 people into the bubble, starting June 24th, I believe. That's when they report to Orlando, their their tournament starts on July 8th, we mentioned. NBA is bringing 1,600 people to the bubble in Orlando for the resumption of their season and playoffs. So that, you know, my question, and then by the way, it's not even the biggest sports event happening in Orlando. There's like a women's AAU global tournament happening with 10,000 people involved. What happens Kev, what will the NBA do Mm. if four MLS players test positive for COVID in the same bubble?
1: It's going to be interesting to see how separated the two are. Uh, Zach Lowe of
0: ESPN spoke to- Different luxury hotels. uh, It's a huge campus, but- Yeah, spoke to a number of- um, But like, you know, chefs may be cooking meals for the same guys, cleaning, you know, the other staff that's there may be servicing broadly, right? Well, so – and that's the
1: thing. There's been a lot of conversations around the, the health of it. Uh, Sham Strana added that they now are going to be able to, reg- to test even those that would be asymptomatic on a regular basis. They even went as far as to speak to Dr. Fauci, and he was like, I think that overall it's a good plan. And I think one of the things that we've seen – and uh, Michelle Roberts um, said, we're not operating under the idea of what happens if. It's what happens when someone were to test positive for covid they, they seem prepared or as prepared as they can be for that scenario.
0: All right, we'll talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break. we got to stop, but just to pay some bills, we'll be right back. It's the Early Line right here on a Monday morning on sports.
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: welcome back to the early line here on SportsGrid. kevin and i have been spending the first hour really talking about you know all these little details that need to get ironed out when you have so many players involved and, and head coaches too, right? It's not like Dan Tony has been mum on some of these things, right? So when you just, it's very hard to please all the people all the time, Kev, and get to a deal. That's why unions are in place in the first place in this country, right? <laughs> to give rights to the collective as opposed to the individual. That's the whole damn point. And so now the players are, you know, using their power in the union, whether it's in Major League. League baseball for finances whether it's to get a you know a deal that doesn't put their health at risk past what they are comfortable with or whatever the case may be another piece of this Kev that you saw was that some of these young players right that have mega deals with you know years still on them are looking for some level of insurance, right? In case they decide to here in the short term, take on this risk and it could compromise, you know, their 10 year, their five year, 10 year plan. That's valid to me, Kev. What are Donovan Mitchell and some of the other younger players saying here?
1: Yeah, so we've seen an interesting thing with Donovan Mitchell specifically because we know that he was on that call with Kyrie, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, Kevin Durant, yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Um, now I'm just naming players. Um, but he was on that call, and he, they kind of said, like, oh, Donovan Mitchell is hesitant to go back. And he tweeted out somewhat obscurely. I think it was like, stop it, dot, dot, right. dot. And we then kind of got some quotes around Donovan Mitchell that he was concerned about a potential injury. And it's totally fair. The idea of them kind of ramping up and there being some soft tissue injuries is something that they're, you know, doctors have talked about. They're like, Absolutely. oh, this, this certainly could be an issue. Maybe we see some more hamstrings than You're we're accustomed time. to. So Donovan Mitchell fits the description uh, alongside Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Kuzma, and Jason Tatum sure. of <laughs> five young guys that are coming up for potential very, very big-time extensions, okay? And before people spend time debating whether Kyle Kuzma belongs in that same breath, I don't care, you know he belongs, like the, the Lakers are gonna have the conversations with Kuzma yeah. because I, that's where a lot of people started to take the conversation. What's
0: I know, it, but it don't matter, right? It's people that have that understandable point about their long-term risk. Whether you think right. he's a max deal guy or not, he's still got a long, profitable, fruitful career ahead of him.
1: So for them, being on the cusp of these extensions, what they want is insurance policies taken out, paid for by the NBA in case they pick up an injury that would then prevent them from getting that massive extension. It's it's understandable why they would be concerned. I think you would see maybe some people would say, then don't go. Right. But I think they'd like to be there. I, I You know what I mean? for Not only for their game check purposes, but also I think their performance in this uh, postseason bubble. By the way, all five of these guys qualifying for at least that first eight games. Yeah. I think you could argue that this could help earn them some more dollars. And you think, and it's the
0: NBA that has to take out the policy for them.
1: Well, they want the NBA to. Mm. So, like, typically, I think a player could themselves. Right. But in, in the piece reported by Woj, uh, that type of insurance policy from just say July one to October thirteenth would yep. cost maybe half a million dollars. So mm. not cheap right, and I sure. think they're hoping that maybe the NBA could fit the bill to quell against some of
0: their concerns. Let me ask you something, because this is interesting to me. My, my knee-jerk reaction, honestly, is I don't know that this is something the league should offer them, but individuals should have the right to take out their policy if they have these concerns. And here's the analogy I'll make. Tell me if you think this analogy holds up. If Trevor Lawrence wants to come back to Clemson, right, and he is inherently, in the 11 games he's about to play, or maybe 13 because it's Clemson, um, he's taking on risk to his long-term profitability and his draft stock, right? And we have seen this before. College seniors take out an insurance policy just in case, right? After like Jalen Smith and Jake Butt and others, Willis McGahee, you know, that sort of thing. If Trevor Lawrence wanted to take out an insurance policy to protect himself, Right? Yeah. Should Trevor Lawrence have to pay for that or should Clemson have to pay for that? That's interesting. Because that's guess. what this is, in my opinion, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure, Jason Tatum, take out an insurance policy just in case, right? But why right. should the NBA have to do that? Like, and I, like why should Clemson have to do right. that if they want the services of Trevor Lawrence and he has these concerns? That's the analogy I'll make. Tell mm-hmm. me if you think it holds up and why this would be different. So I think the reason it would be different different is they wouldn't ask them to do these policies
1: under normal circumstances like this isn't a normal conversation that takes okay. place before the start of that final year before the extension the guys, the guys <laughs> just go out there and play i think it's because there is this belief that there could be an increase in injury yeah, risk oh, here oh an injury. now the, the the piece also offers that you know, typically those insurance policies might only really be effective in the case of a career-threatening injury because you have to prove to the insurance company that your money was messed right, up by potential. the
0: injury, yeah.
1: which you kids to push and pull about how provable for... Like, for, I would tell you for Tatum, it's very easy. And yeah, I'd tell right. you for Kuzma, and maybe Kusma, it's a little bit, Right, I hear you. Right, like, it'd be a little bit more difficult. Uh, so I think, though, to me, Dane, like, this is another thing that will stay in the forefront of my mind when i think about nba futures is that like there is going to be timid legs and also uh, injury prone maybe
0: or or injury because when you're worried injury. about injury that's when injuries happen you know instead of just yeah. letting it fly and playing you know but here's what i also find interesting about this piece of the issue when you talk about these young players right in essence Mm -hmm. In my opinion, feel free to push back if you want, Kev. In essence, they're saying something like, this risk in this short term Mm -hmm. to return in this context, it ain't worth it based on my long-term earning potential or my long-term career, right? That sounds a lot like what I heard out of Blake Snell that everyone was completely up in arms about, right? He was in essence saying, going back, it ain't worth it for me. And I know it's not exactly the same. And Kev, we have experience over the last month talking about apples and oranges, but it's interesting to me yeah. how the tone, right? And the perception of players making very similar points get received in different ways. And I do want to turn our attention to the Major League Baseball negotiations because we'll be able to talk about this back and forth, right? Because, oh, it's happening here in baseball. It's happening here in basketball. In baseball, we've seen some movement headlines, news as well. So let me catch everybody up, all right, Kevin? Then you tell me if there's more to add or if there's other pieces you have heard or if you think I have any of it wrong because that's possible. All our heads are spinning right now with these details. So I think literally since our last show, there's been multiple proposals, Kevin. All right, so at first we saw Major League Baseball were saying like we'll go 70 games but with 85 percent of the pro rated right which is a little bit of a move for them less games but a bigger chunk of the force majeure right and so the players say no players come back and i believe the players um came back with Uh, 89 games, I believe it was, but still the the full pro rating, that wasn't accepted. And now, in essence, I believe, and you see uh, Jeff Passan and others are saying this, that Mm -hmm. this is pretty much, I think, the end of a very important term. The the term is the good faith negotiations. Okay. I think this now ends the quote-unquote good-faith negotiations because the Players Association is saying that they rejected the last offer from Major League Baseball and that they will not counter. Remember, we've been seeing the narrowing of the sides. We did the math and it's like, oh, the happy middle ground, the landing spot is probably going to be in here. We've seen some narrowing. But Mm -hmm. Passon and others are saying that the Players Association, they ain't narrowing anymore. They're done, okay? No more proposals. In essence, they've also just said... They're asking Major League Baseball to just inform them of the number of games it intends to play and when players should report. This inform them seems a lot like what we've talked about before, Rob Manfred as the last resort, just delivering the schedule. I know we've talked about this. You saying like kind of hit the break open glass, escape, you know, emergency mm-hmm. ready it seems like from what I'm reading from the Passan tweet and um, literally a quote from the letter from Major League Baseball, the Players Association. If it is your intention to unilaterally impose a season, we again request that you inform us and our members of how many games you intend to play and when and where players should report. It is unfair to leave players and the fans hanging at this point. Seems to me that the good faith negotiations are over. Manfred's gonna hit the button this week, Kev. So this is to me... So hilarious. Um,
1: yeah. the, right, so the idea of the red button, right? Yeah. The, that, the, the, the hammer that you need the to pow, break the glass, ends. right, is, is a good-faith negotiation. Right. So it's pretty difficult for me when Major League Baseball decides to say in their opening statement, we are disappointed that the MLBPA has chosen not to negotiate in good faith. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen! So then what are we doing? Right. Like, like, so do you have this right to do this or not? Because you kind of just told us that there hasn't been a good faith
0: negotiation, right? I remember that was the PA, you know, they could use whatever words they want, but like, you know,
1: statement. That wasn't even the players association saying okay. that the owners haven't been who who, by the way, like <laughs> one of my one of my favorite tweets we've gotten this whole time was just an LOL, right, from Andrew McCutcheon. So right. can you elaborate? And he replies, laugh out loud. All-star tweet from Andrew McCutcheon. But basically, why he did that is because the owners, it, I guess people got tired of it, and they were finally like, all right, look, let's just kind of expose what's going on here. You offered us, right, full pro-rated 48 games. Right, Our other options are play this play more games for the same amount of money as a 48 game prorated schedule what are we doing here dave what are we doing the owners haven't even attempted they have not even attempted these good faith negotiations the players have the entire time yeah. not even entertained once a something that does not involve prorate full prorated right. which clearly major league baseball takes as not good faith negotiations right Here's what I, here's what I feel confident in. These have been, these are the
0: worst faithful negotiations <laughs> I've ever seen. Bad faith negotiations Does Manfred yeah. still have the power. It is very interesting. And maybe it's just the allure, you know, like we knew, maybe maybe, and also if I'm the owners and I know that in my back pocket, this is the break open glass, you know, last resort position. I'd play hardball too, I gotta tell you the truth. If I knew that if I just continue to play hardball, eventually what ultimately gets triggered is something that I kinda want, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Kev, if you and I make a fantasy football trade in principle, right, in week two, right, and I'm like, all right, you're gonna give me this guy, I'm gonna give you this guy but we'll try and work out a better deal over the next couple of weeks, but you're agreeing to this? Cool. If I think that deal benefits me, I'm just going to say no to everything you propose and default back to our original agreement. And it sounds like that may be what's happening in Major League Baseball, but there are more monkey wrenches to be thrown in in Major League Baseball as well. We will continue to talk about it. It is Negotiation Monday here on the early line. We're going to do this, and then we promise. We will get back on the field to earn you some money. We'll do that when we come back. It's Dane and Kevin on the early line.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: All right, welcome back into the early line, Dane and Kevin trying to figure out how we know for damn sure if, when, and how American team sports that are not soccer will be coming back. We've been talking about, you know, all the kind of details that need to still be ironed out and there are a ton and, you know, people have valid perspectives impacting them, their health, their finances, and their future, making it a very tough thing to try to invalidate other people's opinions, but you know, Kev, we were going back and forth on the money aspect, right, and if it's narrowing and if the commissioner, Manfred, is in essence going to you know, hit that, that red button um, in the same way, Kev, that Don Garber and the MLS did, right, with mm-hmm. the fear of a lockout looming. You also mentioned um, that you know, they continue to generate income, though, Major League Baseball, right? I remember yeah. when we broke out the revenue and the expenses, one of the biggest nuts in that whole pot for the revenue was the national – and the local TV contracts, right? And we even talked about this in the NBA. One of the biggest sticking points was honoring the television contracts. So Mm -hmm. people have to understand that the TV and the networks are definitely a key stakeholder in this process, but it seems like Major League Baseball and TBS specifically are gonna continue making beautiful music together.
1: Yeah, they sure are. Uh, You know, uh, a billion dollar deal has been reached for them to continue to, to air baseball games. Uh, I guess Turner as a, really would be where, you know, and, and as a whole they have a great relationship with Major League Baseball. Um, I believe this year alone, I believe the report said they were paying uh, upwards of $300 million, um, which is a lot of money, you know, to mm-hmm. be in partnership with Major League Baseball here. They don't have the exact uh, length um, or, you know, full details of this deal. I think the reason that this kind of – report is out there is one it is news whenever these kind of deals come in but i i think it shows that baseball is still in a relatively healthy place if you're able to lock down that kind of deal then the reason they did is because the deal was coming up dane right so you would think that turner would be able to be playing a, you know, uh, a little hard right, right, right. but you know, it's the deal kind of went off without a hitch
0: from the reports. It's just, you well, how know, long is the deal? Cause if it's like a 10 year kind we of, don't thing, have, we don't have have to go. We don't have all right. of the That would on. be my one question. You know sure. what I mean? Cause if it's like a 10, 15 year, and sometimes these things are long term, right? Yeah. So then you, if you make that deal for that kind of time horizon, how much does year one, kind of impact your thinking, you know, like if you're a dynasty league, are you getting the, you know what I mean? So yeah, just one one thing to put in there, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting,
1: um, you know, and I think it just shows that if baseball is going to be in a healthy way, then, you know, they should be able to, again, it, it, it's quite funny, but I, I do think one of the things is pretty much the sentiment that the, the owners, this is pretty much where I land. The owners offer the sentiment to the players, will you share in the pain with us? And I actually just think that what needs to be happening here is the owners actually share in the pain because they're just they're trying to unload the pain. And I think what we're seeing there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they are the ones who could withstand a single season blow um, more more than most. So that's kind of where where I'm kind of landing on a lot of this stuff when it comes to the Major League Baseball side.
0: So it's interesting. As some negotiations continue, other business continues to get done in Major League Baseball. Kevin, there's another piece of this that I want to kind of, you know, it's like we peel out another layer of the the onion back. I remember... I know you remember as well, remember we had George Kurtz on when the NHL came yeah. out and a 2014 and we were so excited about like how those one through four seeds will be happening. There's plus money opportunities. One of the pieces that the NHL still doesn't know by, you know, as far as I've seen is which cities will be their hubs. Right. And in the NHL, unlike in some other sports, there were Canadian cities on the list as well. This is obviously a sport that has a lot of, you know, Canadian following. It's probably, it is the national pastime in Canada. And I remember telling you then that now, You know, it's even tough in this country to get state by state by state to agree, right, on regulations, timelines, you know, parameters. And now in the NHL, there's the the issue of two countries being Mm. involved. I also remember bringing this up when the director of Homeland Security in America made the thing saying that athletes, you can come on in, don't have the quarantine, it's okay. And Canada may be different. Well, you know, in, in the NHL, we didn't know if the Canadian city was gonna be uh, one of the hubs. In the NBA, there's the Toronto Raptors, but they're all coming down to these hubs, so they're not gonna be physically in Canada. In Major League Baseball, however, the proposal, the issue on the table that we're, our current understanding, is that teams will play in their home markets, but confined to you know the East, the Central, or the West. So where does that leave the Toronto Blue Jays, Kevin? Because there's a piece that's coming out saying that leadership in the city of Toronto aren't comfortable with the Blue Jays playing necessarily. And so this could be a whole other can of worms going across not state lines or county lines, but, you know, having two countries have to figure out and agree on what to do. Another monkey wrench thrown into the pot. And you wonder why I remain more confident
1: in the NBA than Major League Baseball. Uh, This to me is, this is why this is really hard for me. So we know, again, that Rob Manfred has this ability that he, based on his comments of we will 100% play baseball, he will use, right? Uh, Okay, this many games, here's the schedule, go, right? What I'm unaware of, and I think a lot of us are, is when he does that, what else needs to be figured out? Like, does, does, does Rob Manfred have, right, this ability to lock in solely a format or like is everything going to be covered with this schedule that is given to us i saw you know the other night on sports center jeff passan's talking about how they don't even have a health procedure figured out when it comes to the testing protocols that they're going to be doing i mean hey that's not easy to figure out at all okay we still don't know dane if the pirates are in the east and if the braves are in the central Like, we still don't even have final word on if the Bob Nightingale piece was 100% approved. I just think Bob Nightingale has sources, okay? So that's kind of my thing with Major League Baseball here, and I agree with you. Your confidence, right, is, and, you know, I know you'll tell me if I'm wrong here, is that Rob Manfred has the ability to say, here's the schedule, right? But where I think we're all trying to figure out is when he does that, does that actually mean we get baseball?
0: Yeah, I I think so. Uh, Because here's the thing and here's what we have, right? you have said before this idea of like, well then the players have the idea and the right of if they're gonna show up or not, right? And the same thing is now what we're seeing in the NBA. And you're talking about like, will players decide to not show up, you know? And the same thing I've said in Major League Baseball and in the NBA holds true individual players have that right to figure, you know, to to do that. So, yes, I do think, and the NBA, and one of the things we've just seen recently is that the NBA said that then teams would have the ability to replace them on their roster. And so I I think it's the same thing, and I'm going to be consistent here. Um, Yes, I do believe it's going to have baseball and that the players then will have their own independent, you know, ability to make decisions on what they want to do based on the context. I guess so. I just think when the, the players
1: are like, listen, I want you to be able to pay me if I don't show up. And the owners are like, sign a waiver that says we never yeah. have to pay you. That's, that's a, that's an issue. It when, sure is. when you have not put forth the health procedures, like, is that sitting in their back pocket? I don't know. How come the MLS and the NBA find it necessary to go to a hub and the MLB is like, no, we can travel. Yep. I, I mean, to be honest, right, Good Question. like when that Bob Nightingale piece came out, we took it because it was like, OK, I guess it makes sense. They're going to keep the West
0: over in the West. And the, I mean, we don't even know if that's real. We don't correct. even know. Like We don't know what division the Pirates and the Braves are in. We don't know. I guess. Do we know what 100 percent certainty if the DH is in the National League? No, well, we don't. Like I think the only
1: thing we know is that Rob Manfred has the ability to pass out a schedule. And I don't even know
0: what he is. Using to make that schedule. Like I would, I don't know, but my knee-jerk reaction would be referring back to whatever this March 26th agreement is that was in place. That's kind of like the break open glass default position, right? That's what the red button is, Kevin. You know, them just going with whatever was previously agreed to. And so let's see what was in there. I think we based on what we know, Dane, right? If I were to
1: offer to you that there is next to nothing in there. Based on the premise that the owners are telling us that that deal was made thinking fans would be back, I might lean towards the side that there's nothing else in there. Because hmm. the owners are pretty much telling us this is why this this whole thing's hilarious. They're pretty much telling us that the March agreement is useless and that the idea of prorated the salaries no, the, the owners, because the players are like, we agreed on prorated salaries. And the owners are like, that deal was based on the, on the notion that we might get right. fans back. Right. And that's now the deal that we're using to trigger a season being brought to us. But what else could possibly sit in there if the deal was made under the idea
0: that we would be getting fans? Um, possibly, like, Testing stuff, because remember, this was late March. This, we were already kind of getting into the lockdown. We understood the depth of this issue on some level. And so, okay. you know, it could be things like testing. Um, that's that's would be my knee-jerk reaction, you know, that's in there. I, I would think, I mean, so it was March 26th, right?
1: I believe so, yes. Now, I don't know where you were at with all this on March 26th, but I think there was still kind of this idea that a lot of things would die down in the summer and maybe we would have to potentially kind of, you know, worry about a second wave. That's where I think things were maybe at around that time. But if they, I mean, I mean, I told you this, right. I I mentioned this on air, like there was a point during this quarantine where I was texting with a buddy about, could we potentially go to Vegas to see an AEW show that I thought might still be going on, uh, you know, in, in late May. So, I just think that a lot has probably still changed since March 26th. And I'm not, I'm not, I understand why there'd be confidence. And again, I think Rob Bamford any day now is going to break the glass. That's what happens right. when the players are like, yep. just tell us when and
0: where. Right. That's, it I seems just, like that's what, you know, in the Pissan tweet, right? Like that's, that's what they want now. It's like, all right, we're yeah. done negotiating. Just tell us. Right. And, and I guess then they're, they're going to,
1: I guess the question now that remains is what happens when he tells them. Right. It, you know, to, if, if basically you have a conversation with your boss and, you know, you guys are going Never back and forth on a the schedule. Process. Right. And you go, all right, you know what? Fine. Just what time is my shift? And they give right. you your shift and now you're like, OK, cool. Now I have seven questions based on this on the shift you've given me. Yeah. And I just I think that's kind of where baseball, I still feel out on an island. And
0: the only thing I know is the two sides hate one another. Yeah, I think that is true. You know, we'll see what happens if and when we get baseball back. You know, I've been railing against the Astros as well. There's also, uh, you know, kind of new details coming out that the Astros, the Red Sox, they may not be alone. The Yankees may have been involved as well. So whether it's off the field or when we get on the field or using signals on the field, still a lot to be unearthed. When we come back, our number two kicks off and we turn our attention to the National Football League. Stay Stay with us for hour number two of the early line
2: after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.